Moncrief on News Talk. Time now for Tell Me Why. And like every week at this time, Graeme Finley joins us on News Talk to answer a question which has perplexed our listeners. Today's question is Why do I sweat profusely when I'm embarrassed? Graeme joins us on the line. Graeme, how are you today? Not bad. How are you today? I'm good. Some people sweat more than others in this situation, don't they? Absolutely. I mean, every, I mean, embarrassment is a really important emotion, and it's incredibly widespread. Almost all human beings experience it in largely the same way, but different people have different reactions. Some people are more easily embarrassed, but also when they're embarrassed, uh, some people blush more, some people sweat more, some people don't sweat at all, um, and so forth. We all seem to make the same embarrassed smile which is kind of interesting. Uh, and it's, it's quite distinctive from regular smiles or smiles we associate with, you know, pleasure. Um, uh, and that seems to be a really, one of the really common factors. So yeah, people react quite differently and sweating, but sweating is very, very common. Right. Um, the little weak smile, that little embarrassed weak smile is, yeah, it's, you know exactly when, when somebody is giving it to you. It's it's actually though, I was, I was reading your notes, it is based in our fight or flight mode response embarrassment. That's the thing. You might wonder why you sweat when you're when you're embarrassed, um, um, and uh, and it all of this comes down to the sympathetic nervous system, which we we have a lot of occasion to talk about on this slot because it does do so much, and that's because when you're embarrassed, your 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 nervous system experiences that as a threat. So it's, it's why you sweat when you're nervous. It's why you, you often, you know, all sorts of things happen when, when you perceive a threat, this fight or flight um, instinct kicks in and all sorts of things happen. You know, your, your blood vessels dilate. So there's a rush of blood to your face, which is why you blush. Your, your body heats up uh, and that can, that could lead to sweating. But, um, you know, all of your pores open up and, and are sort of ready for action. Your whole body gets into a mode where it's, it's about to do something intense physical running away from whatever the threat is. But the interesting thing about embarrassment is the threat is a sort of social threat. It's, it's been described by, by, I have to say, someone, Christine Harris, who I've relied on a lot for this, as sort of social pain. It's the equivalent of physical pain, which is also a warning about a particular threat. But this is a social pain, and it occurs when something has gone slightly wrong in, in your social activity, and you don't exactly know what to do. And, and so, so the threat is you are, you're socially awkward at a certain point and, and your normal social interaction has been interrupted and there are real costs to not being able to do things socially appropriate. And, and so your body reacts in this very, very physical way to what is you know, something you have to be self-conscious about to, to experience embarrassment at all. That's a great analogy. The idea that if you stick your arm, your hand into a fire, your body lets you know straight away, you're damaging your hand. But with this, with embarrassment, it's it's your your mind letting you know that you've you've strayed into unknown territory. You've done something here that may have repercussions, and you're you're uncomfortable about it. Yeah, and it and it really functions the same way. You know, for embarrassment to work, um, it you'd have to indicate that you know first of all, it's you indicating with physical symptoms, you know, that you recognize that you've done something wrong or you're in a, in a particularly awkward place and that you're going to do something about it, right? Or at least that you intend to remember, first of all, that this is, is something you've done. Um, and I have to say, the things I remember and, and, and think about and regret the most in my life probably are mostly embarrassing things. Um, now, there are 
things I've done, they're faux pas, which is a form of embarrassment or one of the occasions of embarrassment, but, you know, where, where I might have offended somebody or something like that. But I experienced them as embarrassment, I think. Anyway, and then you also sort of resolve to, to, to do better in the future. Um, and that certainly was the case in, in all the examples I can think of. Um, and, and it's a really pro-social emotion. It, you can see why this is important to people, because you're really communicating to other people that you're, you know, want to be part of the group, you want to do what's appropriate, you're not a threat, you're not some kind of antisocial person, and, um, and you are going to continue to work to make, make things better. Uh, and, you know, you do this in all sorts of really, really interesting ways. Again, um, the, the smile, the little smile, which you, you look down and you look to the left and is really similar to the sort of deferential appeasement gestures we see in dogs or in our, 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 our related primates, who may also have a, a greater opportunity to blush than other animals. Um, you, in your sweat, in your actual sweat, you can communicate your sense, your, your feelings, the, you know, the sort of emotion of, of sort of social anxiety or emotional sort of awkwardness to people and and seeing that sweat is it turns out we're really good at detecting embarrassment because of all these nonverbal um physical cues we can we can tell embarrassed faces really easily recognize the smile we can smell it in people's sweat and we can see sweat on people's foreheads and bodies um, very very easily this is something people pick up on and it's amazing how well sweat conveys your emotion they've done all these studies where they, they take the sweat of people who've just jumped out of a plane in a skydive and they, they uh, make people smell it. And, and um, in, sometimes it's men's sweat being smelled by women. And in fact, women in particular, but people generally might be more willing to take risks if they've just smelled the sweat of someone who'd been in a skydiving situation. Uh, people uh, are attracted to those particular smells. You know, the sweat really brings people together in this immediate way through your, your nose and through your, your, your sense of smell as, as we're all feeling this together. And, and so it really communicates disgust and fear and, and all the things you need from your fight or flight mechanism to work together as a group to maybe overcome whatever is threatening you. Wow, it's fascinating. Somebody would jump out of a plane and that sweat that they had, the fear, would engender in somebody else, you know, a, a more risk aversive because they're picking up on there could be danger here. And Actually, I might more risk, pro-risk. People are prepared to take more risks, um, right. uh, which you could see might be a sort of evolutionarily adaptive uh, response. You know, if, if you're in an emergency situation, you might take the risk of, you know, exposing yourself to danger. Um, and, and so it actually makes people more prone to risk, to take risks, um, as if it's an emergency situation. In fact, you're in a psychology lab smelling someone's skydiving sweat, right? And people are watching you and so forth. Uh, so it is really remarkable how that physical, that physical sensation is communicated. It's why dogs can smell fear on, on human beings. Right. Um, when do we start to develop embarrassment? Is it something that we're born with or something we develop in our teens or how does that work? No, well, I mean, I think most teenagers are pretty, pretty easy to embarrass, but uh, in my experience, <laughs> they certainly anyway. are. Uh, but, you know, about two years old, you're, you become self-conscious um, and that's really required for you to feel embarrassed. Um, you become self-conscious and, and actually it's quite possible to embarrass three-year-olds apparently pretty easily. I, mean, I, I should go try. I don't have any around, but I could find some, you know, and, and that's interesting. So, you know, the faux pas, which is where you've done something which violates a norm, is one type of, of, of embarrassing situation. You know, obviously children aren't so great at detecting that. 
but you can embarrass them by making them the center of attention. And so being the center of attention, whether people are all singing happy birthday to you or something like that, uh, you know, also embarrasses you and provokes this reaction, although different people react differently to the different types of embarrassment. You could do that to three-year-olds uh, and embarrass them just by praising them or talking about their looks or something like that. Um, and then finally, there's the weird sort of embarrassment where you haven't done anything wrong, but, you know, you're, you're, somebody else has. But you're, say, telling your friend that, you know, reminding them that they owe you money. Right. People find very embarrassing, even though you're not at fault here uh, and, and they should be embarrassed. But uh, but you're being sort of embarrassed for them and these awkward social situations. And that's another interesting thing. There's vicarious embarrassment. You can become you can have all the experience of embarrassment, possibly full blown embarrassment at somebody else's embarrassment, um, even if they don't know that you're watching, even if they may not be embarrassed themselves. And that's why this sort of cringeworthy comedy you know, works so well. You can have that experience of embarrassment vicariously sitting at home watching Alan Partridge on television or something like that. <laughs> the office I'm thinking of. Um, yeah. So you're just wondering, fantastic, you're just wondering, what is the purpose, if you're developing this so early in life, what is the purpose behind it? What, what is it trying to save us from or, 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 or do? Well, it really allows us to bond together and get to get along, you know, in, in a case, because we're always, you know, all of us are, are prone to embarrassment. I mean, it, it, it happens quite frequently in a way. All of us can find ourselves out of sync with the social situation, and it really does help us repair that. And it really does bring groups together. It's remarkable how embarrassment has its effects on other people. So while it allows you to better be a part of the group and you, you do it with all this sort of behavior where you signal to others that you're prepared to, to make amends and do all these things, um, it also really um, helps with other people. Other people really pick up on this and it really gets um, you to behave better. And in fact, it turns out that people who are embarrassed and they've done all these studies will actually volunteer more of their time after they've been embarrassed. Even if they've been you know, made to do something by the researcher, they'll volunteer to help with the researcher's questionnaires for longer if they've just done something embarrassing, right? So, so that works. They also, it also um, gets a better reaction out of other people. And then what's really interesting is that mild embarrassment works an awful lot better than profound embarrassment. And again, we should say that a lot of people have social anxiety and it can be related to sweating. You know, if you sweat yeah. a lot when you're embarrassed, you're embarrassed by all that sweating. You find that socially embarrassing um, and this leads to more embarrassment and more sweating, and it's, it becomes a really vicious circle, and people start to avoid social contact. They avoid any situation where they might be embarrassed, um, and that is a, a problematic sort of thing. But, you know, mild embarrassment uh, when displayed people, you know, so they did a study where they showed someone knock over a huge pile of toilet paper in a supermarket, um, and, and they showed films of this, and, and people liked the man who did it, who showed mild embarrassment, whether he put them all the toilet paper back, you know, rolls back or not, they liked him better than the, than the man who, who seemed most mature because he just calmly put them all back and didn't act embarrassed. The man who displayed mild embarrassment was liked a lot more by people. So people really do feel better about you if you, if you behave this way. They also um, might do more for you if you show mild embarrassment. So they did a, a study where the researcher went in to give out questionnaires about a study um, at a class in a university. And three scenarios, one, she just gave them out as normal. The second one, she dropped them and picked them up and showed the, you know, and the behavior surrounding embarrassment. And then the third one, she seemed profoundly embarrassed and just ran out of the room. And the, and the, the lecturer had to give out the, the questionnaires. Um, 
the middle one, the mild embarrassment, got the most volunteers uh, out of uh, and, and had them engaged for longer as a result, whereas profound social embarrassment just struck people as maybe a sign that she might not be completely good at the job or that, that all of their interactions with her might be profoundly awkward. And this, again, gets back to, I think, you know, embarrassment can be really tough for people, um, and, and particularly on the, if, if they sweat a lot while doing Absolutely. it. Um, I have lots of questions, but one question is catching my attention, um, asking, is it submissiveness or humility, perhaps? It helps us not all become narcissistic eejits. Maybe it's an evolutionary thing. Does, did it have value in a revolution? Oh, absolutely. I mean, and again, it is remarkable that these, um, all these behaviors we're talking about surrounding embarrassment are sort of pre-language, you know, in some ways. You know, you can, you can expose your neck the way dogs do when they're submissive and so forth through the, the, the smile. You can give off the scent of embarrassment through your sweat um, long before we have really developed sort of, you know, like we have the office as a, as a way of, of taking embarrassment to new levels, right? You know, um, you know so, so they, it really is, was really evolutionarily useful. And it's one which a lot of animals seem to have, have developed. Now, it seems like the primates, now this is really controversial as a, as a thesis, but the primates who are closest to us are also the best at registering embarrassment. And they seem to have less hair on their faces so that they can show blushing somewhat more. There's a lot of controversy surrounding blushing out there. Uh, but it is tremendously evolutionary use, evolutionarily useful uh, embarrassment. But uh, again, it, it's amazing how we can, you know, it, it becomes as complicated as, as it does through our culture. And it's while there's a huge amount of cross-cultural agreement surrounding embarrassment, there are some slight differences. In India, apparently, if you, you know, the, the embarrassed smile is also accompanied with the gesture of biting your tongue sort of visibly uh, is, is one of the key signs of embarrassment. But one of the other things they've studied is that there's just, you know, people's reaction to embarrassment is remarkably similar across a whole bunch of cultures. Um, you mentioned blushing, and that I presume is, is unique to us. Um, what is that about? Why do we blush and how does it happen? Yeah, well, again, it's, it's, it's the blood rushing to the face, um, which is a highly visual cue. And this is, again, about just how social this is. So when the blood gets to your face, um, it arrives before you're aware of it. Um, first, the blood goes to your face, and then you heat up, your face heats up. Uh, and they, but the heating up is later. And so the people around you see you blushing before you're aware that you're blushing. Uh, which is, is again, part, partly shows just how social a development this is. And again, this seems to, to be, you know, um, wired into us long before we, we had, you know, the complex social forms that embarrassment often takes in our, in our lives. Um, and so, so, and people are very, very good at detecting this kind of thing. It's, it's not one of those things you're likely to miss. Uh, and again, one other reason why this is evolutionarily successful is different personality types and different people's behaviors uh, make for different relationships to embarrassment, particularly aggressive boys anyway, um, are much, much less likely to show. They're one third less likely to show um, the typical behavior of embarrassment in embarrassing situations. Uh, and, um, and so it's co the connection of lack of embarrassment with aggression um, is part of their domination, which has a social role, 
but also might mark the people who, who are just never embarrassed um, when they're breaking social rules or in awkward social situations as possibly being sort of the you know, deeply antisocial people who might engage in the kind of violence which these very aggressive boys in the study um, had right. a history of. Wow. Uh, Graeme, you're generating more questions than we can answer in this, I'll tell you. Um, that is fascinating stuff, and thank you very much indeed for it. Um, if you have a question you want Graeme to answer, email afternoon at newstalk.com. But coming up after the break, the reason you feel so tired, even if you haven't really moved at all during the whole pandemic. Stay with us. Moncrief on News Talk.